grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series on the book of 1 Corinthians, where Paul speaks to the theme of unity within the local church. So what are you reading and watching and thinking about, or who is influencing your thoughts? Pastor Sean is going to share some ideas with you that include a gift for you that will improve the way you relate to others, think about yourself, and fully live a real life with God. ReachingForRealLife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free, but if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at ReachingForRealLife.org. Today's part one of the message called Mind Over Matter. Pastor Sean will start off in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Now, we're going to continue in this series that we started. The series is called One. One, because we're going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And all throughout the first book of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul has to remind them that, wait a minute, we are one. We are one. There is one gospel, not five. One church, one spirit, one mission. And this problem with division was a big problem. Paul wrote this book around 55 A.D. from Ephesus to the church at Corinth. And he's very much, and we pointed this out last week, if Ephesians is talking to the church universal, just this is the church everywhere, 1 Corinthians is to a local church with local church issues. And that's why it's so important. And as we see our culture so horribly divided and ripped apart, and we see the church in many times, instead of changing the temperature of the culture, reflecting the mood and the spirit of the culture as we see that happening which folks that's not how god intended it this book is timely this is a powerful message and last week we saw that the cure for the cancer of division is the decision to follow jesus you remember in the opening we showed how many times paul kept saying church of god through Jesus Christ. God, Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ. It's like he's being really redundant here. Paul, you're losing it a little bit, man. You're repeating yourself. He was doing it on purpose. Because we know what they didn't know when they were first reading it. We know where he was going to go. He's setting them up. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He is the center. He is the life of the church. He is who saved you. And yet you're dividing over ridiculousness. I follow Paulus. I follow Paul. Did Apollos or Paul die for you? Is that whose name you were saved into or baptized into? No, no, no. It's about Jesus. The cure for the cancer of the vision, and it is, it is a cancer. It destroys people, destroys churches. We're watching it destroy a nation if we're not careful. The cure for the cancer of division is the decision to follow Jesus. We saw that that following the same leader, whether that's in a church, whether that's in a family, a business, in a marriage, the secret to unity is following the same leader. And that's what Paul was trying to get us to. Now, he has a conversation about wisdom, about the difference in the, quote, wisdom of the world and God's wisdom. And so in chapter 2, we're going to pick up there. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to 1 Corinthians 2, and I'll begin reading. He says, When I came to you, brothers... I came, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you, listen to this, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I want you to catch that. Jesus Christ and Him 
crucified. That's the gospel. That's the gospel, the life of Jesus. He says, I didn't come with lofty speech or wisdom. We can try to talk people into life change. It just doesn't work that way. No, no, there's something about the simple message of the gospel. He said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. There he says it again. I'm not trying to talk you into it. I'm not trying to reason you into it. It wasn't implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Do you know what that demonstration was? Lives change. Do you know that's what our, our fruit is? That's what the product of the church is? It's not songs. It's not sermons. It's not classes. It is life changing. Our actual product is disciples, people whose lives have been transformed by the power of the gospel. And you can't really argue with life change, can you? When you see it, it's like, I was this, but now I'm this. Well, but I disagree with you. Okay. (laughs) But I was this, and now I'm this. And I thank God. He changed me. See, there's power in the gospel, and the power is manifest in life change but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, so that your faith, this is verse 5, your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. This is interesting. Among the mature. Although it's not a wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. That sounds interesting. The NIV calls it a mystery. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. I think the reason it's secret is because only those who enter in, only those who taste and see can understand. Because honestly, and Paul says it, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. To those who don't get it, to those, if you honestly think about it, okay, we're all sinners, we need a Savior, and Jesus Christ died on the cross, and if we will confess our sins and believe in His sacrifice, we can be saved, and it'll open the doors to everything God has for us. To the person who sits here and has been just steeped in birth in human wisdom and in natural wisdom, it's like, that doesn't even make sense. That's foolishness. But to the person who has gotten to the end of their rope and who has recognized, I can't save myself and everything I've tried has just led to more of the same and who has finally surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, it's like a light goes on and all of a sudden it's like, oh, that does make sense. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for my sins and God forgave me and now I'm filled with His Spirit and my life is different. That's the gospel. But to those who haven't tasted and seen, I mean, let's be honest, seems kind of foolish. Verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. As it is written, what no eye has seen or ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Listen, For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. It's so important. He's revealed to us with the Spirit. The Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. And then he gives an illustration in verse 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now look, 
And then he says this, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. That spirit I'm talking about, who understands the depths of God, the true nature of who he is, because it's God's spirit, that's the spirit we've received. We've received not a spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual and then verse 14 so key the natural person the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of god for they are folly to him the foolishness he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned the spiritual person judges all things but is himself to be judged by no one for who has understood the mind of the lord so as to instruct him but we have the mind of christ We have the mind of Christ. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the mind of Christ given to us by your spirit. Help us to hear your heart and help us to respond in obedience. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 14 and 15 give us this contrast. The natural person does not accept things of God. They're folly to him. He's not able to understand them. They're spiritually discerned. Tukikos is the Greek word, and it really is talking about a person who is unspiritual. They're totally bound by the things of the world, the world's understanding, the world's perspective. That's what it's talking about. He says the natural man. He's not talking about some outdoorsman, okay? He's talking about a person who is unspiritual. They're just kind of taking things at face value in the world. Everything is about this life, this world. No sense of the spirit. And the other word, the spiritual person, is pneumatikos, which is a person who has been awakened to the spirit. Pneuma, we know that's the word in scripture for spirit. The breath, the wind of God, the Holy Spirit. This is a person who has had the breath of God breathe on them, and they are awakened, and they literally see life differently. They look at it differently. See, that's the key understanding what Paul's saying here. The difference between the world's wisdom... And the Spirit's wisdom, or what he calls the mind of Christ, which we've been given. Understand something about the world's wisdom. It is basically self-centered. Got to take care of number one. It is superficial. Stuff. I got to get stuff. I got to get things. I got to have what I got to have. It is short-sighted. This life and this life only. You only live one life. It's basically focused on what's in it for me now. That's the world's wisdom. We have to understand, when we talk about deism, is the idea that there is a God, there is a deity. We believe in that. Humanism, which is where so much of the world is right now, humanism is this idea that at the top of the food chain, if you will, is man. Okay, that's it. Since all there is on this earth is what we see, then human beings are the center of the universe. We are the center of the world. That's what humanism is all about man at the center and there are two ways that kind of we deal with this two ways that we deal with god in humanism the first is we deny god's existence some people are humanists because they just go look there is no such thing as god that's a myth and you know science can absolutely explain origin we aren't created we're just a product of a natural scientific process now, there are a lot of people who have realized, yeah, but there's a big gaping hole in that. 
the big gaping hole is because if you go back far enough with I don't care who it is, bring the greatest scientists in the world, bring the most foremost biologists, geneticists, evolutionists, whoever you want, bring them here right now, and I'll sit here, and I'm pretty stubborn, so I'll just keep asking, well, where'd that come from? Where'd that come from? Where'd that come from? Where'd that come from? And I will do it till he says, he honestly admits, I don't know. Because it happens every time. Because we don't. When you just say, oh, a Big Bang. Well, what caused the Big Bang? Gases and stuff. Ooh, is that part of your thesis? And this is where we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Mind Over Matter, the series on unity called One, which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. In fact, your gift of any amount right now will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azaro. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer, but I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, Mind Over Matter. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. I mean, really, when you understand, yes, I, 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 I do understand all of the science, and I don't, I don't take that lightly. I don't dismiss that easily. But what I'm saying is when you say, oh, the science is settled, but yet eventually the truth is you're going to get to that place where you go, we don't know. Okay, the science isn't settled. The minute you say, I don't know, okay, the science isn't settled. We're still searching. We're still discovering. We're still looking. And so uh, just denying the existence of God is one way that humanism becomes the natural response. But there's another, and this is even more dangerous, I think. And it's one that's sometimes pretty prevalent in the church. And it's not denying the existence of God. It's just recreating him in our own image. It's, It's a humanism that says, oh, God's here for me. God's here to do for me. God's here to bless me. God's here to answer my prayers and bring about my will. And if if I want it, it must be God's will. It's just a kind of spiritualized humanism that says, I'm the center of the universe. Even God's universe. He's here for me. And the thing is, that creates a very different way of looking at the world. The the wisdom that the Spirit brings, the mind of Christ is different. Paul gives us some very specific characteristics he says it's a depth a depth of wisdom hidden secret a mystery what that means is it's totally outside of what the world understands as wisdom because it's from a place that they can't understand and it creates an absolutely different fruit it creates a fruit 
that is beautiful, lasting, and eternal. But it, it often finds itself completely contrary to the prevailing thought, wisdom, or ideas of the world. He says there's a spiritual discernment. In other words, people who have the mind of Christ, this Holy Spirit-given wisdom, the mind of Christ, they are able to see and discern things in the Spirit that others can't see and discern. They understand. When, when they look at the world around us, how in the world can people think this is going to work? They understand that's not just people going crazy. There's a spiritual dynamic behind that. Whatever the issue is, and you go, how could they possibly think that? How could they not see that that's not going to end well? And it's not simply that they're crazy, it's they're blind to the spiritual realities. There is a spiritual dynamic that is happening, and it is real. And without the mind of Christ, we can't discern that. And he talks about sound judgment. Those who have the mind of Christ are given sound judgment. They're decisions. I get so disturbed when I see people in the body of Christ who claim to be followers of Jesus. And yet, when I talk to them about decisions they're making, they're making decisions that are absolutely broken and bankrupt and are, they're listening to the wrong counsel. They're listening to people who do not have the mind of Christ and they're going completely contrary to the Word of God which they claim to follow. It's like, what is going Well, but this is what my boss says I should do. This is what my, my professor says I should do. This is what my counselor says I should do. And please understand, I'm a big believer in a multitude of counselors, listening to wisdom. But understand that the best of us on our best day can't compare to the wisdom of God. And there's something powerful about understanding that there is this transcendent wisdom that God gives and he has given it to us and he's given it to us by his spirit. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. You have been given the mind of Christ. Start using it. Is that blunt enough? <laughs> Why don't you say what you mean, John? Okay, I'll say it again. You have been given the mind of Christ. That's what Paul just said. That's what the scripture just said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You have been given the mind of Christ. Not just we in general in this kind of fuzzy thing. No, you and I sitting here today as followers of Jesus Christ who have professed faith in him, who are filled with his spirit, we have been given the mind of Christ. It's time we start using it. It's time we let that be the thing that guides and leads. You see, we have the mind of Christ because we have the spirit of Christ. That's what the spirit-filled life is all about. It's the fact that we are filled with the very same Spirit. In Romans 8, Paul says, the Spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead now gives life to our mortal bodies. It is the Spirit of God that dwells in us. When we become followers of Jesus, when we profess our faith in Him, and our sins are forgiven, the real salvation is not just the sins being forgiven. That's awesome. But it is the Spirit now that can come and dwell in us. And the power of God, that's what we were created for. That's the communion with our Father that we were designed for. That's the gift of the Spirit. You've been given the mind of Christ. Start using it. Never underestimate how differently the mind of Christ leads us than the mind of the world. Never underestimate that difference because it is shocking and it shows up in hundreds of different ways every single week. 
A few things for us to take a look at. First, number one, the mind of Christ changes how I see the world. The mind of Christ changes how I see the world. I look at everything differently because I have the Spirit of Christ in me, the Holy Spirit, and I have been given, according to Scripture, the mind of Christ. I see everything differently no matter what I look at. Jesus prayed in John 17. He's talking to the Father and he's talking about us, his followers. It says his disciples and those who would believe because of their words, which is us. Okay? I want to begin reading at verse 14, John 17, verse 14. Jesus says to his Father, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they're not of this world. Take note, take note of that. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one, the enemy of our souls. Verse 16, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And 17, sanctify them in truth. In other words, set them apart in the truth. And he then cuts to the chase. Your word is truth, Father. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, so I've sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified, set apart in truth. That's powerful. But one thing we need to just stop and deal with right now. I am not of this world. Okay? And just because your brother-in-law called you an alien doesn't mean you've got this down. All right? That's not what we're talking about. I am not of this world. Jesus says in the same way that he's not of this world, we are not of this world. I'm not asking you to remove him from the world. Yes, we live in this world. We're, we're born in this world. We're a part of this world. But to understand who we are in Christ, to understand what the Holy Spirit does, there is a different origin in where our spirit was birthed. There is a different destination to where our spirit is leading us. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, it refers to us as as strangers and exiles in this world. I am not of this world. And this is a tough one because you're like, well, I kind of like this world. Things are going good for me here. Others of you are like, yeah, get me out. Mm." Preach that, that's good. But you might be here and go, I I got it kind of good and I'm... What do you mean I'm not of this world? Jesus was trying to communicate that we are of another world. And and, in Hebrews 11 again, he says, the writer says, another country or another citizenship, the kingdom of God. See, not only am I not of this world, I have a different understanding of truth. I understand that his word is truth and truth is something that I've been set apart into. And that, right away, that alone will set you apart in this world that we live in because the idea of truth, the idea of there being objective truth that we're going to try to understand. Yeah, no, there's your truth, there's my truth, there's their truth. There's my truth today, there's my truth tomorrow. Truth is very flexible in kind of our contemporary context. And yet it's not in reality. We understand that. Truth exists regardless of our opinions. And truth is real And what Jesus just said is that he gave us the truth. He sanctified us in the truth. That means not just kind of information, but he set us apart as people who are committed to the truth. His word is truth. That's what the scripture says. So I'm not of this world. We have been sanctified in truth. His word 
is truth. And then he says, I've sent them into the world to be a light of his truth. So our function as followers of Jesus Christ is to live this, not of this world, sanctified in his truth, life as a light in the world around us. Our presence should be noticeable. Our presence should change the, you know, when Jesus talked in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, he used the phrase salt and light. We should change the flavor of the surrounding area. We should change the, the illumination just by our presence and by how we interact and how we treat people and how we love God and how we, we raise our families and the decisions we make, how we respond to pandemics, how we respond to injustice in the world. All those things, there should be something about Jesus' people that is different. We're not just like the world. If we find ourselves going along with everybody else all the time, and whatever the world says, hey, this is what you should be about, if we're always running after that and doing that, something's wrong. That's a sign something's messed up. If we find ourselves running to please the world, we are not running to please God. And those, just know, those two things are almost always going to lead us in opposite directions. We are to be a light in this world. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you'd like to hear this full message in the series called One, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue on the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road, right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.